Morning, everyone. Shabbat shalom. So the first portion of every, the first part of every prayer service is actually prayer. The second part is um, learning. We learn together. We read from sacred literature in order to inform our lives in some way that we might live more skillfully in the world. I mean, none of us was born with a set of instructions on how to live in the world. And Torah, like the word it comes from, which is an arrow, is trying to direct us towards the bullseye, as it were, towards the space where we don't veer or make chet, which means to miss the mark. Torah is hore, it's from parent or yore, which means to shoot an arrow. In order to give us some direction, so we turn to the Torah every single week. After we've yearned, we learn, from yearning to learning, some way to live in the world that might be a little bit more skillful, more compassionate, more aligned with who we are. That's the point of Torah. And so this morning's Torah portion, Parshat Shoftim, which is in the book of Deuteronomy, is chock full of all kinds of really beautiful laws and traditions that have to do with living skillfully. They're pretty clear. The Torah begins, this portion begins, begins with justice and adjudication, the famous words, tzedek, tzedek, tirdof. Justice, justice shall you pursue, is part of this morning's reading. The shoftim is a portion that has very immediate application. Kingship, having a sovereign or having a, a melech and the rules around kings. Kings had to have something that was greater than them, lest they become monarchs who ruled by divine fiat instead of being themselves subservient to a greater law. That's also in Parshat Shoftim. So it's all kinds of amazing things happening in Parshat Shoftim. And of course, we're not going to read the entire portion. We don't read the entire portion here at Romamu. We're going to read a third of uh, the portion. Um, and we're going to begin on page 1099. So if you have a 1099 form, it's right here. Here's your 1099. Devarim. It says the red chumash. If you don't have one, someone will be happy to give you one. Open up, if you will, for the open up to page 1099. And please find the last verse on page 1099. I promise you that reading it inside will engage you more than listening to me. Just look at the page. If you don't have one, guys, we have a ton of them in the back. So you can go get a couple for you. Here we go, coming around. Hello. It's okay. It's so tough. I know Abba's teaching. It's tough. Hi, boo-boo. Hi, boo-boo. Hi, boo-boo. Marco, Polo, Marco. Everybody there? I'll wait, I'll wait. It's okay. Everybody there? Get out your glasses, magnifying glasses. Who knows? I know I'm like this. Whoop. Ready? Lo tasig gvul re'acha. Do not... Hmm. Interesting. Lo tasig gvul re'acha. I know I'm reading the Hebrew. If you don't read Hebrew, you're like, what? Don't worry. I'm going back to the English. You shall not move. That's a very interesting, right? For those who know Hebrew, what? You shall not move your countrymen's landmarks. 
לא תשיג גבול רעך אשר גבלו ראשונים. The slower you read Torah, the, the more Midrash, you just, it begs, right? It's just like, you read it slowly and it starts, you marry, like, what is going on here? Low, everybody, low means? Do not, low, do not. No. Tasig, lahasig. Tasig, it's not really, with a, it's with a samach, not with a sin, but what does lahasig givul means? To move it, lahasig, and a givul. What's a givul? A boundary. A border. Here they translate it as a landmark. Do not move your neighbor. Your re'acha here is what? Re'acha is, re'acha is your friend. It means your neighbor, your friend. Do not move your friend's landmark. Stop. What does that mean? Don't? Don't steal his land. Right? So here's... Everybody has a boundary and it's like the person's... <laughs> someone's like if you're golfing and they place those placers right where the ball lands on the green and you're like no one's looking and you place it you know over here so like when it comes to land real estate right you're like oh there's an ordinance that allows me to to usurp land that belongs to you the bible a couple thousand years old says if there's something that belongs to you you're not allowed to indiscriminately or or with intentionality move the border or the boundaries so that you have someone else's land Asher Gavlu Rishonim, that was already established, it was already boundaried by the earlier ones. So what's this a prohibition against doing? Just speak with me in this. Okay, what's, what it, it, I, don't, I don't see it necessarily as stealing. I think it's a matter of respect. Meaning someone came to the land first, right? And you came second. Just respect the fact that he's, he put the boundary around his area. Yes. Okay, so did everybody hear? No? I mean, I was about to say you are, the, you are an example of how to speak. Like, in, you know. Okay, so now everyone didn't hear you, but so a little bit, one more time. So you're saying it's not about stealing, it's about respect. It's about R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Here's a, a boundary, and it was already previously, it was previously established. Like, this was my land. What are you doing? Like, this is my seat. I've been sitting here for two generations. My father sat here, my grandfather sat here, my grandmother, like all the way back. And now here you come, and I, when nobody's looking, and you're like, just slide over. You put your, your bag over there, and before you, you encroach. And you're saying it's not about theft, although it sounds like theft, but you're saying, the Torah is not just saying don't steal. It's saying have respect for what came before you and the boundaries that were already previously established. There's like, here's my land, don't encroach. Okay? Non-encroachment. Yes, all the way in the back. Can't see, but... Say it loud and proud. What comes up for you is... Can everybody... Why don't you stand? Is that okay? Because, you know, since we're participating, everybody wants to participate. Yes. Sure. I mean, it was in the air, so you named it. Great. So guess what we're going to do with that? We're not touching it. I have my boundaries, <laughs> and we're not going there. But, but, but where we will go, though, is yes, of course. 
it, of course that's what comes up. It comes up in all conversations about who owns land. Can land be owned? Who was here first? All of that stuff. There's clearly, right, there's something in the Torah that is inviting that question, not just in the Middle East. We could think about this land is your land. Wait a second, this land was my land? Whose land is it? Right? From California to, like, whose land? Right? Who owns land? So, but, 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 but the principle that, you're, that, you, that we're raising here, of course, is respect again. Beautiful that you brought that. Respect for what came before. A recognition of boundaries and borders. La Sikvul. You'll see in, in one moment, we're going to take it from here. We're going to take it into where the rabbis took it. Because rabbis weren't just about land. The rabbis of the Talmud, the Jewish tradition, it absolutely expands this category of what's known as Hasagat Givul, right? Encroaching, encroachment. We'll see that in a moment, but just for now, a couple more things that are in the room. Yes, please. The theme of the Parsha is justice. The theme of the Parsha is justice. On a more symbolic level, which we'll get to in a moment, also a little bit more abstractly, it's not just about land, it's about justice more pervasively, more expansively. Um, a macro question of justice itself implies a right and a wrong, and boundaries, both moral boundaries, ethical boundaries, cultural boundaries, all kinds of questions of justice are themselves built upon the bedrock of some notion of boundaries, of where something begins and ends and so on. Beautiful, okay? Yes. Gerrymandering. Right, okay, so now we've already full on into the more abstract, expansive. Let's go in. Fine, I was trying to hold back the boundary. You guys were encroaching. Let's go there. Abstraction. Yeah. Hasagat Gvul. Where do you draw the lines? Where do you draw the neighborhoods, right? How do we, and how power, right? Power works with boundaries and so on, both in how we literally draw boundaries around neighborhoods. More abstractly, let's go to the rabbis. The, the notion of Hasagat Gvul is expanded into the rabbinic literature when it comes to business. Right? Opening up a business in a neighborhood where there already is someone who has that same business, if you open it up on their block, that becomes part of the juridical process known as Hasagat Gvul. Am I encroaching upon your ability to make a livelihood? Right? I mean, banks have no problem because there are five of them on every block here in New York, and clearly pharmacies because we all need so much pharmaceuticals. <laughs> but if, like, there's one dry cleaner, and they're making a living, and I want to, you know, shuls, hey, right? Thank God there are many Jewish customers and those who are Jewishly curious in New York, but if there was one shul in a neighborhood, and there were very few quote-unquote customers, you'd have a question about Hasagat Gvul. It's like, here, yeah, this is where I serve. I serve, this is my district. And here you are, opening up like a little storefront. Let's have a conversation about that. Rabbi Jill. Right, boundary issues in general, interpersonal boundary issues. Rav Zalman said that this was included in this general category of like, hey, personal boundary space. Everybody hearing that from Rabbi Hammer? Yeah. yeah. Rabbi Jill? Yeah.
Right. So that comes back to the, uh, the, the, the respect issue. That it's not just, right, if you, it's, it's something that is masur la leve, as they would say. It's something that you have to have integrity around and respect for boundaries. Beautiful. Ellen. So you're, you're expanding even broader. I think this would be in the, in the category of Gneva Dat to some degree, the, uh, but theft of intellectual property. But you're saying that there are intellectual boundaries as well, and one who uh, encroaches or claims ownership over someone's intellectual property is in this category as well. And we have that the general principle. We're going to move from that to Judy Gray and to Millie Weissman. So Judy? Eminent domain. Okay, um, when organizations or communities, right, so we want to name people, we don't, I don't want to get into, but yes, okay, having respect for neighborhoods and for, right, to a culture of a neighborhood, as it were, also tricky, tricky, tricky balance dance, okay, good, Neely. How do we negotiate and hold boundaries? Clearly, the Torah wants us to know that there are boundaries, but the question, of course, is how does one relate to a boundary? How does one approach, right? What's the approach to the boundary? Um, and so we've gone full on from, from the literal meaning of the Torah's prohibition, which is against grabbing ownership over a piece of land that didn't belong to you by moving the markers, by moving the landmark. We've gone full on into respect for maybe invisible boundaries, right? Boundaries that are hard to, to notice unless we bring our attention to them. We've gone into, right, business. This is a very expansive and broad prohibition. And it even has, and here we're going to go into the world of neo-Hasidic thinking, it even has um, metaphysical application or expansion. I'm going to do that before Richard. Richard, you have your hand up, and then I'm going to go to the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov who has something to say. Yes. But this concept of boundaries can also be dangerous. Yeah. If you take boundaries too seriously, there's no community. Right. So what's the, what's the difference between something that in a sense is yours, which is what that line literally is talking about, and what can't be yours because the community really needs it. It can't be privately owned or privately So, so Richard's raising up the shadow of this, of this itself, right? So that every law has its, right? Every statute, every law has its potential conflict with a different value because all systems have multiple values that often compete with each other and how, do one, how does one weigh them? And so here, in the notion of having your own space, right? We aren't, we aren't necessarily, if this becomes the only value, then what happens to the space 
that is a public space that can't be owned or that can't be have a boundary in it other than it belongs to everyone the comments so let's go into the neo-hasidic space here okay everybody ready so in order to do that we have to put on our deep allegorical hats and we have to read this entire piece as an allegory with each of the players not speaking about humans but about qualities or divinity or something like that ready so says the Degel Machane Ephraim, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, in his reading of this prohibition. I'm going to read it in Hebrew, I'll translate it, and then hopefully we'll marinate for a minute or two and see if it relates to us. says that when the Torah says, don't move the boundary that the earlier ones, the Rishonim, established, he wants us to, he wants to invite this element or this imagined reality where at some point in Jewish history the earlier ones brought the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, more tangibly into a place of connection with us. He says that the Shekhinah, right, we've all had experiences where the Shekhinah, where the Divine Presence is palpable and that's called, he says, Re'acha. God is called your friend. And he says, Lo tasig gevul reacha means don't be one who pushes the boundary of the divine back into heaven when the divine wants to live right here on earth. I got chills. Like, that's what he said. He's a lot of like t- technical language. He decided to skip all of it. Like, yeah, that's what he said. He said, Lo tasig gevul reacha means do not encroach upon the givul, the boundary of your friend, Reacha here means God, not just your local neighbor, but God, because he has proof text that God is called Re'ah in other places, whatever, that the divine being is called your friend, which I love. Your friend said, I want to live here. This is where God says, I want to live, right here in this world. Don't be one who says to God, oh, this, this belongs to me, not you. God says, no, I established my boundary here. And you want to say, no, God, you can't live here. And so the Degel here is not only teaching a radically allegorical and deeply, fundamentally, like, non-literal reading of this prohibition. He's making it about our inner work, about where we say God or presence or spirit can live. It's like, almost saying that in a place where we say, you know what, this is my space, this is the secular domain, or this is the place where Ingber is. And God says, no, no, that, I, that belongs to me too. I mean, think about it for a second. Where is it that God doesn't live? In every place, in every moment, there's possible... Let's take God out of the picture. Let's call it love. Let's call it presence. Let's call it potential spiritual nourishment, lessons, teachings, whatever you want to use. Whatever term for Shekhinah, compassion, where does compassion not live? Right? Not here? Not there? So this grandson of the great Baal Shem Tov says that there is in this principle of private space versus, right, my space versus your space, my space, your space, I page, I find. God wants to be in all of our spaces. And the only question, of course, is are we, are we okay with that? That's his challenge. No, not, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there are people in the world, not just the president, and certainly the president, in, in my personal opinion, is one of those people. But there are, you know, we could come up with billions of people who are saying no to love or no to presence. And the challenge for each and every one of us, of course, is to keep that prohibition, as it were, or that positive, like making space for God is such a key thing. So this morning's reading is going to be that first commandment, as it were. There are other things about witnessing, which we could have spoken about because there are a number of different pieces in what Alyssa's going to read. But I wanted to call forward for the first Aliyah this morning for anyone who would like to come to stand with Torah. The blessing in each and every one or any one of its iterations about boundaries, personal or other, about knowing what belongs to you and what doesn't. And maybe some of you might come up as a yearning to be able to say, you know, God, I get it. The Shekhinah is everywhere, and I sometimes don't want to let you in, and I'd love some blessing to allow myself to not make your space my space. If any of those things spoke to you this morning and you feel called to stand with Torah, we invite you to open up and stand with Torah this morning for the first Aliyah. <laughs> 